on the house the podcast where we talk about movies tv shows and video games because hey whatever we want to talk about is on the house joining i'm clancy and joining me as always is dave i knew you were going to do that i don't know how but i just knew you were going to do that Like it. Uh, so now's about time to tell you we're actually recording the Texas Chainsaw one, right? <laughs> no, we're not. We're doing the Batman one, folks. Uh, yes, the Batman. Not to be confused by Batman starring Michael Keaton or Batman Begins. This is the or, latest reboot. And not to be confused with Batman, comma, the... Yes, that's an entirely different movie. It's like, I don't know how they worked the rhinoceros into that plot, but they certainly did. It was weird. I'm just realizing now it's a subgenre for sequels and reboots to just add a the. Yes, it is. Coming in 2035, the Halloween. But yes, folks, the Batman, the latest in the long line of DC kind of rebooted DC Universe kind of not films. I mean, this was supposed to be the solo Ben Affleck Batman movie, but then everything happened with Justice League that it did. And then he didn't want to be in the role anymore. And so, but they still know Batman movies make money. So they allowed Matt Reeves to have his own continuity. And at this point I've given up on just trying to link them together with continuity. They're their own things now, good or bad. Yes, exactly. Especially with, it looks like how, how the flash movie is going to be bringing in, the multiple Earths of the DC universe and whatnot. So it's, I feel like continuity with the DC films are just kind of like, eh. So long as it I mean, makes if it's, sense movie to movie, we're good. I mean, if it, if an element of a movie is positively received, it'll be retained, but. Exactly. But yes, the Batman, as Dave mentioned, there was a lot of behind-the-scenes drama with this one. Uh, originally supposed to star Ben Affleck, right? but it now features the former Edward Collins, who has been doing everything in his power to make people forget that Twilight was ever a thing, Robert Pattinson. Honestly, I think... Over the past few years, we've completed the redemption arcs for the careers of the main Twilight trio. I mean, for me, it's just kind of those were films that existed. Mm -hmm. I mean, I fully admit I got into the whole bashing on Twilight train. Part of that had to do with the first film was actually filmed at my high school. So having tourists come around all the time did get kind of annoying but Mm -hmm. it's now it's like i don't have any teenage girls in my Mm -hmm. life i don't have to watch or think about those movies if i don't want to like the last twilight movie was 10 years ago exactly if you're still hating on or upset about twilight it's on you man 
But anyways, we're several minutes in, and we barely talked about the Batman. So the best way I would describe this film is several key Batman comic books, 70s uh, noir films meets seven. And there's honestly one moment there with one of the Riddler's victims where it felt kind of Saw-inspired. Yeah, I was going to say, for the people who always wanted the Riddler to be like Jigsaw from Saw, you definitely got that here. It's not super gory or anything. It's definitely a PG-13 movie, but (laughs) it definitely gives those people what they wanted. Yeah. Like, I remember hearing a rumor long ago in between The Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises that one of the villains being considered for a third Nolan movie was Riddler, and I heard the person being considered was Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, I've heard that. I mean, that's kind of up there with, at one point, uh, Robin Williams was considered for the Riddler, but this was when uh, Burton was going to direct the third film. I would have wanted to see that, actually. Yeah, it's kind of one of those curious parallel universes. I mean, we could do a whole nother podcast on Batman films and ideas that almost happen. But for this film, I'd say what they did with the Riddler certainly works for the film. I mean, I'll just come out and say it. The Riddler has never been one of my favorite Batman villains. But I'm going to say, out of all the Batman villains that had been used in a prior movie, Riddler was actually one I was hoping to see used again. And because I do think there's more to him that you could do with than just friggin' Joker again. You mean his buffoonery, as uh, Tommy Lee Jones put it? I guess. Yeah, he was definitely just. The Riddler again. I mean, sorry, he was just the Joker again. And I mean, I just feel like this is going to be somewhat of a hot take, but they've gotten lots of great actors, both in live action and voice to play Joker over the years. And I think the performances help hide the fact that I don't think the Joker is that complex of a villain. The Joker is you can make him as complex or uncomplex as you want him to be. It's how it works. I mean, there was a story I did that there were multiple Jokers running around that really didn't deliver, but it's certainly an idea. And I would say this is probably the first Batman film in a long while where the villain did not outshine Batman. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, I would say, while the Riddler is certainly a presence throughout this film and kind of the driving force. He's in surprisingly surprisingly little of the movie. Yeah, and it's like you're not constantly wondering what's he doing next you know it's not can we hurry up and get to the next Riddler film 
he's more of a, you know, he's the driving force of the movie without being taking over the show, I would say. Like, I, I was I was almost wondering at first if maybe they were just going to, like, not defeat him in this one and save a proper confrontation for a sequel. And But no, there is a encounter between the two in the final hour of the movie. Mm-hmm. Which I will say for how they handled it, it, it's like they did the Riddler the best they could in order to give him a climactic fight while also keeping true to that this version of the character, you know? Well, actually, and we'll elaborate this when we do the spoiler section, this is like maybe the first Batman movie that doesn't have a fight between Batman and the main villain in the climax. Yeah, that's, like I said, we'll get into it a little bit more. <laughs> but I would say, aesthetically, this is somewhere like a halfway point between Burden and Nolan's visuals for Gotham City. Yes, I would say for this Gotham, I mean, people always debate where, which, what Gotham City is a stand-in for. For this, this is very clearly a stand-in for New York City. <laughs> But, but this is, it's not the full wackiness of the original Burton films, but, like, I could see Clayface existing in this world. I could see Man Bat existing in this world. I definitely could see a good version of Bane existing in this world. We'll get into that a bit later. Like, part of me, like, was worried that, they were doing something like the Nolan films did where we wouldn't be allowed to have some of the more fantastical villains. Like, cause they just have Riddler. Who's a guy penguin. Who's just a guy and Catwoman, Who's just combat trained. And yeah. You know, yeah. Bring Clayface into this. I want to see him. Yeah. It's like, I definitely want to see the Batman villains that we haven't gotten before, you know? Yeah. I think we disagree on this one, but hell, I'd want to see them try Scarface. You know, I could see Scarface working as like a secondary villain, like Penguin was in this. Mm -hmm. I don't think Scarface would work as the main villain, just Mm -hmm. personal opinion. Mm -hmm. Though, speaking of Penguin, like I thought... First off, you barely recognize Colin Farrell in this role. They did such a decent job with the makeup on him. But I thought this was as close to an accurate Penguin as you will ever get. I mean, I love Danny DeVito in Batman Returns, but we all know that is not an accurate Penguin at all. They just wrote Killer Croc and called him Penguin. More or less, yeah, that's a pretty good analogy for it. Part of my ignorance, but was Killer Croc a thing in the comics back in the 90s and 80s? Yeah, Killer Croc, he debuted after Spider-Man's The Lizard. (laughs) But uh, I want to say he was like the 70s was his first appearance. Uh, Don't quote me on that. It was either the 60s or 70s. It was after The Lizard. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But what most people get wrong, sorry, 83. He appeared in 83. So you know, for some reason, I thought he was a little bit older than that. Mm-hmm. But what most people kind of get wrong about Keller Croc is he's not a human crocodile. At least he's not supposed to be. He's supposed to be a guy with a skin condition. Mm-hmm. It just kind of makes him look more animalistic. Because mm-hmm. in the original origins for the character, he was kind of a sideshow act at a carnival. Mm-hmm. And like we said, different versions will make him more like... Spider-Man's the lizard, depending on who's writing it. But that's kind of the origins for the character. So I think this film figured out how to do a Batman voice. Like, just have the actor whisper. Like, you don't have to do... Why did you say that name? Why did you say that name? I'm not wearing hockey pads. Yeah, I really like what they did with the patrol of Batman and this... I mean, I'm not going to say it's my favorite portrayal of Batman, but it's like, I never once thought this is Robert Pattinson playing Batman. I thought, okay, this is Batman, you know? Yeah. You mean the Batman. The Batman. I'm just going to make that a running gag. (laughs) All right, every time we get corrected on saying the Batman, take a shot, folks. But I'd say the character who by far steals this movie, Catwoman. She probably literally did. Yeah, probably. (laughs) No, Catwoman is, again, as much as I love Batman Returns, none of the characters there are, like, those are Tim Burton characters. But this is, like... Pretty much picture perfect here. And now Zoe Kravitz has joined Mark Hamill in the small but growing category of people who've been who portrayed characters in a parody, then went on to be sincerely cast as the character. Yep, pretty much. Mark Hamill, for the reference, did Chucky in a robot chicken sketch in like 2005, 14 years before the remake. And Zoe Kravitz played Catwoman in the Lego Batman movie. Yeah, it's, I'm always surprised to remember just how much voice work she's done over the years. Uh-huh. Like, ironically, I think, except for her own movie, they've consistently casted Catwoman good. Like, Michelle Pfeiffer, Anne Hathaway, Zoe Kravitz, they've all, each of their portrayals has qualities worth mentioning. Yeah, I'd even say the Halle Berry Cat, Catwoman movie. The casting's not bad. It's just yeah, I mean, Halle everything just... else with that movie. <laughs> like just the sheer number of camera movements. Yeah, it's, it's the only good thing I can say about that film is as much as I dislike the Razzies and think they're just kind of attention-seeking versus trying to actually highlight the worst films of the year, mm-hmm. her coming out and accepting that award is like, that is gold. Yeah. 
So, yeah, did you recognize where we had seen the actor who played Riddler before? You know, I know I'd seen him in other things, but they definitely do a lot with his makeup and whatnot, so I couldn't place it. Well, do you remember that uh, Hugh Jackman movie, Prisoners? Yeah. He was the guy Hugh Jackman took hostage. Oh, yeah. It almost looks like he's wearing the same glasses his character in that movie had. Oh, man. That's, like, that clicks. Wow. Good call. But yeah, for the limited amount of time Riddler gets, he leaves a memorable performance, and I I hope they manage to work him into the sequel, even if he's not the main threat anymore, and... To make this portrayal unique, besides just making him a full-on serial killer, he's a live streamer, too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely... I mean, we'll definitely... Now that we're kind of getting into the story elements, we're not going to go too spoiler-heavy in this particular section of the podcast so that people can go in blind. I mean, personally speaking, for me, I watched the first trailer for this movie... And then I didn't watch anymore. So this was as close as I could go into a film with zero knowledge in, which really kind of made it for a fun experience for me. When you said first trailer, did you mean the one that came out in 2020? I forget, but the first, like, you saw Riddler was going to be the villain and stuff like that. But anyways, as I was saying, like, well, definitely this film took inspiration from the comic book, certain ones in particular, 70s uh, detective movies, and obviously Seven's a huge inspiration. This film really got kind of the feel for Batman from the Arkham games. Like, some of the beatdown scenes are straight-up combos you could do in Arkham City. In hindsight, I felt the action was some of the weaker parts of the Nolan movies, but here they make the scenes fit the character, and moments like the part where he's just running down the hallway and getting shot at, and the bullets are no-selling. Yeah, it's like the... the the scene in question kind of reminded me of uh, Daredevil season one, the hallway fight, <laughs> where it's you're just seeing like this force of nature almost coming down and mowing people over. Obviously, he's not literally mowing them over. These characters don't kill, but. Which, why not? But also, we got to be thankful for one thing this movie didn't do. We did not have to watch the fucking parents die again. Hallelujah. No, this is not another origin story where this is, they flat out say, this is year two of Batman in Gotham. So he's established. The police don't like him, but but the honest cops are starting to see the good that he can do for them. His relationship with Gordon is established, which... Props to the guy who played Gordon. I thought he did an amazing job. And also, props to Andy Serkis. I liked him as Alfred. 
Yeah, I do too. I mean, I definitely would like to see more of him next time around. But I do like that they established no... Well, Alfred is not the only housekeeper at Gotham Manor. I think this is the first time they made Bruce's estate be, like, just in the middle of the city, as opposed to the other movies that would make it, like, outside of the main part of Gotham. Yeah, it's, uh, like, they kind of did that with, like, The Dark Knight and whatnot, where he'll have, like, a penthouse. <laughs> so, it definitely worked for this. <laughs> but one of the things I love about this movie is it's an actual detective story. Even though we know it's Riddler from the beginning, we are, we're just trying to figure out what his plan is and what's going on with the Gotham underground crime lords. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a detective story, not so much in we know who the killer is, but why are they doing this? Like, Did you think there was going to be some kind of surprise, like facial... A damage when we finally saw Riddler's face, or mm, I didn't personally. I mean, I thought briefly because they kind of alluded to a different character that they might do like a combo <laughs> of two characters, but like that was more of me catching references and getting thrown off a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I kind of like this trope now where you make and a lot of horror films do this where you make a big deal of not showing the villain's face or covering it with a mask. And when you finally see it, it's just a normal guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I like what they did. I mean, Riddler's not going to go down as one of my favorite villains. I definitely just for my enjoyment of the, for my enjoyment in these films, like I almost enjoyed Penguin and Falcone a little bit more mm-hmm. just for what they brought on screen. Mm-hmm. But for the roles they play in this movie, like they did a great job with this. Okay, yeah, since this movie was just short of three hours, do you feel it earned the running time it had, or could you see stuff that could have been cut? You know. The only scene I thought could be cut was like right at the very end where it's a little bit of sequel baiting. Uh, We'll get into it during spoilers, but like the rest, like I only thought it felt like a three hour movie because I checked my watch. There were 40 minutes of previews at my showing before the movie started. And my bladder was going to kill me is the only reason I noticed how long the time passage was. Like, this is, especially when I'm re-watching it streaming, like, this will be a film I'm more than willing to re-watch several times over, you know? I want to post a theory, because I think maybe they did some rewrites and reshoots over the course of production. I almost wonder if, like, that big action set piece for the final 20 minutes might have not not initially been in the movie. I don't know. I know there is one subplot that got cut that we can talk about later. Mm-hmm. 
But it's like it makes sense that with the character that the Riddler would have mm-hmm. that as part of his plan. Well, I just feel like you could have ended it, or at least the main final act with Batman and the Riddler's talk in prison, and you could have got for the same impact that an emotional note it ended on without having to go for that extra action scene that we'll elaborate later on. See, I see where you're coming from. I just, for me, I think the theme of this film is what was the Nolan trilogy about? It was about him being the Dark Knight. <laughs> and this film very much starts out with him being the Dark Knight. But it's about transitioning him from the Dark Knight to his other nickname, Gotham's Savior. <laughs> and I feel like without the action scene and bit at the end, you wouldn't have gotten closure on that transition. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's just that the thing that the final action scene involves, it's only alluded to so briefly that I felt like it could have been something they retroactively added later. I mean, I can certainly, if it turns out to be the case, I could see it happening. Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I felt it needed to be in there for the themes of the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And where would you say uh, Pattinson rates among your movie Batmans before we go to the uh, spoilers? <sighs> I don't know. It kind of just depends. I'm going to have to see the film a few more times to... <laughs> kind of not have the nostalgia for Keaton and uh, not Nolan, but uh, Bale. Bale, thank you. I don't know why I was blanking on his name. Mm-hmm. Though for me, so a lot of the times Bale felt like Bruce Wayne more than he did Batman. So I feel like as a pure Batman, I like this version a bit better, but as the overall character, I kind of have to go back and forth on it, you know? Oh, this is undeniably the Batman film where he's in the costume the most. Oh, unquestionably. Like, this very much takes the approach of the character that Bruce Wayne is the mask, and he just does the bare minimum to exist. The thing is, like, I kind of like that about Bale's portrayal, and Affleck never really got a shot, so I can't really... Don't know where to place him Batman-wise. Yeah, for ba- for Affleck, it's very much... I feel bad for him because I know how big of a fan of the character he is. Just based on interviews and whatnot. So it's like, I wish he had gotten his chance to make his film, but that's one of those parallel universe movies, you know? And of. Funny thing is, like, as much as we hate on Batman and Robin, like, if the idea of George Clooney as Batman makes perfect sense to me. No, it does make perfect sense. It's just... (laughs) It didn't. Like, I don't know. I feel like enough time has passed with Batman and Robin where the hate for it's kind of died down. It's like we've had three reboots since then. So it's like... 
I have a hard time getting upset over it anymore. Yeah, I, you know, I never really had the malice towards those movies. Like, 